When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bowling. Ben, today we've got a topic that kind of was uh, it was kind of organic, and I guess the way it came about, because I was just kind of messing around online and mm-hmm. read an interesting article and thought it was kind of cool and forwarded it to you, and you mm-hmm. said, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Let's make a podcast out of it. And that's how a lot of these happen, but... Um, but this one, well, what's our topic today, Ben? Because I think uh, I think this one's going to spark a lot of interest. Yes, uh, actually, can we lead? I want to lead in with a question, if that's cool with you. Sure, go ahead. All right, Scott, what would you do with three million dollars? Three million dollars? Oh my uh, gosh! Well, I think I would buy a nice house, put a lot of it away, okay, and uh, just uh, hold on to it until retirement. I'm kind of boring that way, and that you know, I would uh, I would save most of it. I think. How dare you make responsible financial? Decisions? I know, I know. You know, I think a lot of people probably expected me to say, "Oh, I'd buy five Ferraris, and uh, <laughs> and that would be it, right?" But uh, I think that stuff eventually makes you go bankrupt, even if you have three million bucks. So right, yeah, and that's a good question. What, what do you think? What would you do with three million? Well, I would probably do uh, several frivolous things. But the reason I ask is because if you are listening to the show and you have $3 million, then you can help Cody and Tyler Core build their dream car, the subject of today's podcast, the Irby 2. Ladies and gentlemen, more than 50% of this car is 3D printed. 3D printed car, which is really cool. And you know what? Before we get too far away from this, you kind of side-skirted that question. <laughs> you, 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 side, you sidestepped the answer, Ben. You didn't tell me one thing that you would do with that three million dollars. So one frivolous thing. What's what's one of the many frivolous things we do? One of the many frivolous things I would do is probably, you know what, I would take a trip around the world. That's not so frivolous. I think that's great. I think you know traveling is uh, traveling is really important. I think a lot of people discount that. They don't they don't put enough emphasis on that. And I know we're getting off topic here, but. Mm. I don't think there's ever been anybody on their deathbed that has said, I wish I traveled less. It's, <laughs> it's always the opposite, right? Yeah. So any travel opportunity, take it. If you got three million bucks, go around the world, man. Hey, thanks, man. And you know, it's not too off topic because, um, before we really get into the Irby two, we can talk about, um, 
we can we can talk about a plan that they have for the RB2, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this all leads up to it. So, you know, we're not getting, again, we're not getting too far off track, but they are talking about kind of recreating the uh, the trip that Dr. Horatio Jackson or Nelson Jackson made across the United States way back in 1903, mm-hmm. but doing it in a much, you know, much more controlled version, I guess, a modern version of that same trip. But uh, they're talking about kind of retracing the steps that he made way back then. Yes. In in this modern 3D printed car. Yes. Now, Horatio Nelson Jackson uh, is probably someone you've heard of if you check out our various episodes across the year. Uh, in one episode, we talked just about this famous road trip, the first cross-country road trip from coast to coast in the United States uh, on a $50 bet, Scott. Uh, this guy, Jackson, and his mechanic, Sewell Crocker, traveled from San Francisco to New York. Mm-hmm. And it was a long, long, difficult trip. I'll tell you that because at the time, and we're going to get off of this quickly, I promise, but at the time, there were only 150 miles of paved road in all of the United States. That's, and they were all within city limits. So once you go beyond city limits, you're on your own. You're just making your own roads at that point, crossing mountains, crossing mountain ranges, crossing deserts. Um, it's, or a desert, I should say. Um, <laughs> it really, uh, it was a difficult trip. There's no gas stations, no roadmaps, mm-hmm. anything like that. So they, these guys were on their own, really. And it was a time when there's, for sure, there wasn't a great feeling about cars even then. I mean, it, most people thought they didn't really have a future. They would think like, well, there's their horseless carriage. Sure. It's not really going to amount to much, but, uh, it's interesting to look at. They don't really see where this whole thing is going at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but I think Mr. Jackson did. Yes, uh, by God, Jackson and Crocker did indeed cross from San Francisco to New York. It took them just a couple numbers here. It took them 63 days, 12 hours, and 800 gallons of fuel. Yeah, that's right. And they, we were forgetting the dog. They had a, a bulldog with them. Named, oh, that's right. Named, yeah. Named Bud, who also wore goggles, uh, you know, did, which is a, some of those great photos that we see uh-huh. from that trip um, are of Bud, you know, with his head out the side of the window or above the windshield with those goggles on, or doggles, I guess you could call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, what a cool trip this was. And it was in a 1903 Winton automobile, and he called it their Vermont in honor of his, uh, his home state. And I think it's still, it's still, that car's still around. It was in a, uh, it's in a museum somewhere. I think the Smithsonian owns the, yes. the Vermont, the original Vermont. And um, also this thing, this whole thing became an unintended race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there yeah. were two other car companies. You know, he sets out on his way to go, and uh, Packard decides they want to get a little bit of that uh, that action as well. So Packard goes out and uh, puts out a team of people, you know, a factory-backed team to chase him down and actually beat him to New York, as does Oldsmobile. So it became a race. It became this kind of, uh, um, well, it's a, it's a much more difficult trip than they thought, I, I would assume. I don't sure, think, I knew yeah. they, they knew it was going to be hard, but I don't think they knew it was going to be quite as hard as it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And, um the trip that, you know, the Irby's going to make, this uh, this modern trip, which is scheduled to happen sometime in 2015. Yes. Um, this, this 3D printed car, it's going to be made on, you know, public roads, won't be anything, you know, hard or difficult about that. The, the, the crazy thing about this, Ben, is this car was completely made in, in these 3D printers out of, you know, plastics and resins and, mm-hmm. and uh, polymers. And we'll talk about, you know, exactly what made the car. But what's crazy about it is, I mean... More than 50% of the car, Ben, is printed. Yeah, which is astounding when you think about this. Uh, now, some people might already have a little bit of a problem and be saying to us, gentlemen, you cannot call this a 3D printed car when it is not completely 3D printed, but I think we're going to give it a pass. This is as close as we've come so far. 
Yes, that's an excellent point. And these guys, Cody and Tyler Core, are in their 20s, Scott. Yeah, well, those are the sons of the guy that actually built the car. So yeah. those are the ones that are going to be driving it. Now, Dad's handing them the keys to a $3 million automobile. Because, yeah, that's Jim Core. Yeah, Jim Core. That's right, Jim Core, who, um, he's the, uh, the guy who is the, what is he? He's the president. He's president of Core Ecologic, and yeah. he's the team leader of the Irby 2 project. And they are in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in Canada, of course, and that's, well, that's way up there, Ben. That's above North Dakota and above Minnesota, so it's got to be, that's a cold environment to do this in. It's a cold environment to do anything in. Yeah, I always wonder when people say, you know, it's a different kind of heat out west. I want, I've always wanted somebody to say, well, it's a different kind of cold. Oh, it's it's <laughs> absolutely frigid up there. I'll tell you that because take a look at a map. It's above it's above Maine. I'll tell you that's how that's far north it is. is. Yeah. yeah, it's way way up there. So you know, he's they've got this kind of story. Now we you may have picked up on this. Hmm. The the Irby Two, which is again this three D printed car is is the second version of this, right? So there was an Irby, and I want to tell you kind of a little bit about Irby, the original Irby, and I'll tell you why we're why we're progressing to the second model. Great. Okay, so the origin story of, of Irby uh, kind of goes as follows. Now, this you gotta we gotta go back to nineteen ninety six, Ben. So it goes it goes back um oh how far is that now? That's uh Ooh, that's 14, 17 years? Is that right? 20 years. Oh my gosh, that's a long, long time ago. But you go back to 1996, and this is in Winnipeg, Manitoba. At the Sunstone Cafe. Yes, so it happened right at a cafe, just as you would expect, you know, with a cocktail napkin and sketches, just as a lot of these types of uh, inventions happen. And I guess um, the group had just finished launching or testing this uh, this vehicle called a uh, Solo. Or solos, I think is what they called it. And yeah. it was a small electric motor powered, uh, and human powered vehicle that ran on a rail system. But the, uh, they decided that it would be really neat to make, or someone just made kind of a quip, that it would be really neat to make a version of this that would ride on the road. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes 
that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Right, and you get the feeling in this story that one of the reasons they said that was because they started to confront the enormous cost of the infrastructure of mm-hmm. building a rail system. Oh, I think so, yeah, because it would have required its own rail system in order for this thing to work. And, and and you can't just plunk this thing onto any rail system and let it operate. you got to have your own rail system, and that's a huge infrastructure cost. And the roads are already there, so why not build a car to do a similar thing. And Jim's on board with this, and so he starts literally sketching on a napkin, and he thinks about uh, kind of a smart car, two-seater, but more aerodynamic, yeah. right? Yeah, and it says vehicle that's supposed to be used for urban use. It's powered by electric motors and is a small ethanol fuel combustion engine. So the keywords that that are important there, and this is why it got such a weird name, Irby, mm-hmm. uh, because of the word words urban, electric, and ethanol all kind of combined to create this this word Irby, and that's mm-hmm. the original one. It's just called Irby. And, um, again, that's in 1996. That was the initial thought. And then they spent, again, get this, Ben, about 10 years refining the design. Mm-hmm. So they took a lot of time with what they had thought about that in that first day at that cafe. And uh, and then it wasn't until about fall of 2008 that they came up with a computer model. They had a full computer model. Right. And then they had the moment where they said, well, we've got this full computer model, but how the heck are we going to build this thing? Yeah. I mean, they've got a, a version of this thing. It's a full, it's, well, it's a hybrid car, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, it's supposed to get like, I mean, they've, they've calculated it out as about 300 miles per gallon. Which so is great. It's extremely efficient. But they had two aerodynamics guys working on it and they had two industrial designers working on it. And I guess these guys butted heads often. Yeah. They, um, you know, they just didn't, uh, didn't seem to get along with this as far as, I mean, I know they did as a team, I suppose, eventually, but, you know, the designers want to make it look pretty, mm-hmm. make, well, not pretty, but nice. Yeah. The, uh, the aerodynamics guys say, well, it has to be shaped like a, like a bar of soap, I guess, or a jelly bean, or, you know, I forget the different term, lozenge, I guess is what they call it. Uh huh. So all these different really slick shapes. And, uh, they said, well, no, it's gotta be efficient first, and then we're gonna go for the looks as kind of a secondary element. Right. They said the, uh, I, I think the conversation was exactly the way you're presenting it. Uh, the argument really was aesthetic versus the coefficient of drag. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So, you know, in 2009, this is not much longer, uh, not much later, rather, they have a clay model that they produce, which is about a 60% scale model. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very, very efficient. You know, they do testing on the clay model, and the drag coefficient was just uh, 0.149, which, if you want to compare this to a Prius, and so the, this is what this article in, uh, in Popular Mechanics compares it to, is a Prius. And a Prius coefficient of drag is about 0.25, so this is even slicker through the air than a, than a Prius would be. Right, and so uh, Jim Core decides that he's going to go ahead and take the plunge, puts down 10 grand to register for the Automotive X Prize, uh, doesn't make it in because yeah. they don't get the vehicle made in time. Yeah, and the reason, the whole reason behind this thing, and this is really the, the crux of the story, I guess, Ben, this is where the turnaround happens, is because... You know, they, they 
realize that the materials that they're going to need to use to build the Irby, which, you know, they've got everything all laid out, the computer models, the testing, the, the, uh, the, the math checks out. Exactly. Everything is working perfectly. They realize that to create a, a working model, this a scale model of this thing that will actually drive and participate in the XPRIZE, they're going to have to build a fiberglass car. And to Ooh. build that is really, really hard. I mean, I know it sounds like, you know, a lot of people have done this in their garage and they build molds and they build boats and, you know, whatever. But uh, to build something that's this slick and they're competing again for, you know, that huge automotive X prize mm-hmm. uh, competition, it's got to be top notch. I mean, they've got to fit everything exactly right. Otherwise, they're going to mess up their own chances. Yeah. So they realize that the material is going to be just too difficult to work with. It's going to be um, it's gonna hard take to take everything. A year. Yeah, it's like 10 months or a year to build this thing. And that, and that 10 month time span just for the fiberglass even puts them right out of the X prize. So he he loses his $10,000 deposit on the automotive X prize. And then in 2010 he gets a contact from one of his designers who says, "Look at these folks at Stratasys." Yeah, yeah, and they're doing these giant 3D printed parts. Right. And it's not necessarily automotive parts, but they're just doing 3D printing and they're doing it on a much larger scale because this company, I guess, they have a machine that I think one of the maximum sizes, and I'm going to have to flip through my notes here, but one of the maximum sizes on this machine is something like nine feet by six feet and weighs like 6,000 pounds, this machine does. And you would think that, you know, it'd print those giant parts. You could almost print a car in there, right? Right. Well, the, the, size object that a machine that size can even print is 36 by 24 inches. So mm-hmm. even so, you're still somewhat restricted. I know that, you know, the, the desktop versions of these things, you know, we have one here in our office that yeah. we, we have used. And uh, they're like, I think they in the article they say microwave size, but ours is even smaller than that. It's like a little bigger than toaster, maybe. Yeah, and it can print things about the size of a chess piece. The uh, the machines that Stratasys uses are called the uh, Stratasys Fortis 900 MC 3D production systems. Uh, Scott, as you said, they have a build volume of 36 by 24 by 36. Or for our friends across the pond, oh, let's be honest, in the rest of the world, that's 914 by 610 by 914 millimeters. So to make the RB, and we're still on the RB1, to make the RB1, they had to divide the um, the entire exterior of the car into about 20 pieces because that's the size the printers could make. Yeah, and this, I mean, this company, just to, to reinforce this fact, the Stratasys, uh, this company has been around since 1994, so even before, you know, the idea of the Irby came into play. And they're a, uh, they're, they're really a, I guess you can say it's a world power, I guess, in this, mm-hmm. in this industry, in that uh, they have offices in Israel, Asia, South America, Europe, uh, and they have a production arm, which is called Red Eye, and they have factories in Belgium, Turkey, Australia, and then they have two other U.S. locations besides the one that uh, they're using in Minnesota, which is in a town called Eden Prairie. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also have plans in 2014 to extend their uh, their production facilities to Shanghai. So uh, these guys are really like world players in this in this field. Yes, and uh, it looks like the Irby folks are on their way, too. The first big splash the Irby One makes is at the SEMA show in Vegas in November 2010. The the car got a lot of attention. Not all of it great, Mm -hmm. but it got a lot of attention, generally positive, and this led there immediately to the plans to build the Irby Two. But before we talk about that... Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's get back into... The Irby 2. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, because we're just now approaching the time when they're ready to build this Irby 2, and that's the vehicle that's going to make the cross-country trip now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he found the Stratasys site, um, very large 3D printing capabilities, and they printed, initially they printed a 1-6 scale model. Mm-hmm. And um, this 1-6 scale model, uh, again, tested very successfully. You know, everything, the aerodynamics all worked out. They did it in, I think, 20 pieces. I think you mentioned that, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Well, they did the Irby one in 20 pieces and as they're going to the Irby 2 final design it's using more than 50 3D printed components okay. so the exterior I think is around 20 pieces but if we're counting the interior stuff too then it goes up to 50. That's a good point Ben because um, the way that they describe how much of this thing is printed because I think people will wonder was well, it just a shell that's printed? Right. It's a lot more than that. I mean it's, yeah. it's far more than that. In fact I think the way he describes it is that Everything that you can see and touch on a car when you'd normally be driving is is what is 3D printed. So think about that. I mean, you look at the vehicle. I mean, aside from the tires, maybe. 
Yeah, um, right. I think that's, Aside from the tires. But uh, almost all of the interior, almost all of the exterior mm-hmm. is completely 3D printed. And a lot of the components that you don't see, you know, behind the dash, a lot of the stuff is, is 3D printed. And it's this it's this material that is uh, is extremely lightweight, extremely rigid. Oh, yeah. Um, um, the process used to make it is called FDM, or Fused Deposition Modeling. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing here, it's what's so strange is, um, now, oh, we should mention this is a three-wheel design. Oh, yeah. This is technically counted as a motorcycle due to the weight. It's around 1,200 pounds. Good I point. Think. You know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of these, uh, almost like a cycle car. Ex- almost exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's got a um, it's got some really innovative structural things going on here because they built it with uh, the, they built these exterior components in the body with the inspiration of bird bones. Oh, that's really strange. So lightweight but sturdy. Right. And yeah. uh, I think they, they talked about the original one. They built it far thicker than they had to. Yeah. Uh, just because they were unsure of how it was going to react and they realized how strong this thing was. Mm-hmm. Um, so they built it with kind of like a, I think they said an egg crate shell behind it. Yes. So it had a lot of extra structure to it that it didn't necessarily need. And they're finding out with the, with the Irby 2, uh, that they don't necessarily need that. And they've got, they do have a, uh, a different type of framing underneath. Um, additional, in addition to the, um, um, you mentioned FDM, right? Yeah, that, they, that, that's, mul- got- that's molted polymers, I think, that, that, uh, creates that. Instead of, it's, it's not the liquid resins, it's the molted polymers. Right. For FDM, I think. Yeah, li- they've got an ABS plastic. Yeah, so it's a different type of material, but, um, it's very strong, but, you know, they also have the chassis and framing is also a chrome molly steel tubing. Oh, yeah, and so, that's pretty interesting. So it does have a rigid underbody. Right, with a roll cage. And what one of the questions that would stick out to me, if I were if I were a, a, a parent or something and one of my kids was saying, hey, I want to buy this car that's going into production, their numbers are optimistic, but they do want to take the RB2 into production. One of my main concerns would be safety. How safe is this thing that you can just print out? You know what I mean? I mean, well, of course, you can't just do that. But the interesting part here is that it's actually pretty safe. It, yeah, they, I think they didn't they compare make a comparison to some of the NASCAR cars, which I I understand. You know, with the with the the structure underneath and then mm-hmm. the material on top, it's basically the same thing. You're hanging some type of material onto a stronger structure underneath that really provides all the backbone for the uh, for the strength and rigidity and yep. everything needed. Now, I mean, not to say that the uh, that the uh, molten what do I say molten polymers are are not strong. I'm just saying that you know the, you put you can put a shell on top of that, but whatever's underneath has to be strong. And I guess this. Uh, this chrome molly uh, chassis and, and framing is really, really strong. You know, a couple other things. You know, while we're talking about specs, let's just do it real quick here. Yeah. Um, it's steered by the rear single wheel, so the steering is through the back end. So it's kind of like that tadpole design, mm-hmm. right? Two wheels in front, one in back. Weighs about 1,200 pounds, uh, which that's really actually pretty lightweight. I mean, it's a. it seems like it's a long car when I look at it in uh, in some of the photos. Yeah, it's long and low. Mm-hmm. And uh, the top speed is somewhere around 70 miles per hour. Which surprised me. Which is surprising mainly because it has such a small engine. It has a single 7-horsepower engine, which is either diesel or ethanol. It's mm. going to use uh, use biofuel. And uh, as a matter of fact, Ben, now that I think about it, there. Oh, and um, I should say that it's going to use some uh, network batteries that power two electric motors as well that can produce up to 16 additional horsepower. Mm-hmm. Or, or is that maybe 16 total horsepower? I'm not sure because this thing is so lightweight that may be enough. It is. It's um, it, it's an improvement over the initial Irby, which just had 
a five horsepower hybrid drive. Okay, so I don't know if this is 16 horsepower total or if this is going to be 16 horsepower plus the seven horsepower for the diesel engine. But um, in either case, it's either 16 horsepower or 23 horsepower total. And the, they expect to use just 10 gallons of fuel one way across the United States. Right. That's amazing. When the kids go across, oh, we should also say they're taking their dog. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's part of the, uh, the charm of the whole thing, I guess, in that, you know, they were trying to recreate that initial first, you know, America's first road trip, I guess, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, they're taking a dog with them just kind of, just like, uh, Jackson and, and Sewell or, or Crocker, rather, and, and Bud. Bud. So, you know, it's, it's funny in how they're mimicking it and taking the same route back. Yeah, and their dog's name is Cupid. It's a collie blue healer mix for the uh, for the people who are interested in that. Cupid. Okay, and you know what? It's funny is also they mentioned the time that it's going to take to do this, and they said that I think Google mentioned that it was going to be you know just charted out on Google Maps. It's going to be forty four hours, and they said well it'll probably take a little bit longer. And it was kind of a funny reason because they said well the dog might have to get out and pee or Gotta something. Got to let like the that. dog out. Yeah, <laughs> I've ta- I've taken trips with dogs before, and you, you do have to take them out and walk them occasionally, and it it adds to the length of the trip. That's for sure. Sure, but it also adds to the enjoyment, and also and part of this part of this goes back to our original opening question when we talk about them doing this cross country drive in the RB two. What we're really talking about is, I think, a very smart publicity move um, because this is a proof of concept, this drive. And if this drive happens, then it's going to help them hit their goal of getting these vehicles in production. That's crazy. In production by 2015, and all they need is about $3 million. Yeah, $3 million. And they're doing a Kickstarter campaign in order to get the funding. So you can find them there if you want to. Um, not a commercial for them or anything. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, then go there and check it out. But once they do hit production, which they're thinking is going to be right after that cross-country trip, yeah, the range for the vehicle, the, the price range for the vehicle, was pretty dramatic at this point because they're not sure how everything's going to work out. But they said... I think it was between sixteen thousand and fifty thousand was the was the amount. So they're not sure where it's going to fall in there, but they did say that manufacturing is going to be so much easier than a typical automobile. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, let's consider that is. I'm just going to assume that that is an incredibly optimistic price. Um, to me, sixteen thousand to fifty thousand sounds like the kind of price range you get into after a few years up and running. Because who's going to be there first? Early adopters are going to be there first, and uh, people who probably want to buy the car to tinker with it themselves, see what else they can do. That's true. Um, so I think it's going to be on the higher end of that scale, if not more than $50,000, when and if it reaches production, which I do hope it does. This is a cool vehicle. I agree with you, Ben. I think they're going to. Uh, I think the price range is going to. It's going to drop eventually, but I yeah. think. It, I think initially it'll be a little bit higher than that fifty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. Now I got tell you what. Yeah. It's, going, it's going to be happening in twenty fifteen. Um, I think we've talked about just about all we can about the Irby and Irby two mm-hmm. and, and everything that's happening there. There's a lot of good information. Of course, there's this uh, popular mechanics article that we've been kind of following along through here. Um, that's got some good information in it. I have. Maybe two questions, Ben, that I want to ask you to just kind of wrap this thing up. How about that? Lay them on me. All right. First thing is, would you ever would you ever consider driving a 3D printed car? And I guess I just heard your answer in that last statement. But um, what concerns would you have over driving something that maybe I don't know? Eventually, if you were printing your own parts, would you have pro- would you have a problem with something like that, or would you be okay with it? Absolutely, I would be okay with it. I would have no problem with it. Some concerns I would have would be related to the wear and tear of the materials. 
For instance, if, you know, we already have to use so many different types of materials in a car, especially in the drivetrain or the engine, because of the enormous stress placed on those materials, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, I don't think there's a, I I don't think we have the technology there yet to just 3D print um, an engine from the same kind of devices or the same kind of plastics. Although... When I worked at Chrysler, I did see some prototype parts that were created with resin technology. And, I mean, you're talking about things like um, exhaust manifolds. Really? That actually ran. They actually ran them on engines in the in the engine dynos. So um, I know that, you know, they can create certain parts of it. I don't know if they could create an entire engine mm-hmm. out of plastic that would, that would, you know, hold up to that type of pressure and, and, and heat. Yeah, the heat is a concern. It really is. And I don't know how long those exhaust manifolds would operate but or would be functional. I think maybe they're, they're good forever. It depends on what you use, really, because mm-hmm. you can you can do that out of out of paper, you can do it out of wood, you know, these resins, there's different types of resins and plastics yep. and everything, so I know they were very sturdy and they were capable enough of, of running on an engine dyno in right on the engine, you know, the exhaust manifold right off the engine, so that, well, it doesn't get more intense than that. What would you do? Would, um, you, would you drive a 3D printed car? Ah, boy, I, I suppose so, I know that it would be expensive. Yeah, um, but the the allure of that would be that you know you get in an accident, parts aren't hard to find because it's just a computer file, and you take it somewhere and have them print one for you, mm-hmm. and then it's you know take it take that to a body shop and have it painted if if not, you know the whole thing at one facility. So it seems like auto repair would be a lot easier. Yeah, um, and if you had your own printer, you could have them send you a file with the the part, you know the uh, the schematic for the part, and you could print your own part. So we're both saying yes in ten years. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, and that that also you know counts in the fact that you've got one of these giant machines that can print a large item. But you know those are very very. I mean those are millions of dollars at this point. So yeah. price yeah. will come down. I understand, but maybe not that much. Yeah, still left for the manufacturing world. I think. Now the last question, Ben, and this is this is it, and we can do it quick. What other item besides anything automotive would you like to see three D printed, or what would you use? Oh, because there's a lot of them. I've got a, a short list here. Um, I mean, there's guns. There's uh, there's mm-hmm, toys, glasses, mm-hmm, jewelry. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what would you do? That's a great question. I guess I'm gonna go a little uh, humanitarian with it. I think uh, hum- emergency shelters uh, be a good thing. Even permanent housing in places where housing or shelter is a huge problem. Uh, but if I'm being honest and if I'm being selfish, uh, a spaceship. Uh, 3D printed, affordable, private industry created spaceship that I just have to get, you know, some kind of license to go up and back. I just want to go up and back. It's a fantastic idea. And that makes my idea, you know, you've got this, this whole humanitarian angle to it. Now I seem really shallow when I say, I think 3D printed furniture would be kind of cool. That's, a, that's a great idea. I mean, that's you could shallow. print whatever you like. I mean, oh, it's, it's a so table, smart. a desk, it, it, whether it's a, a, you know, sofa that you just Ooh. simply buy cushions for then to make it comfortable because, oh, yeah. you know, you could buy, you could build the structure of anything you really want, which, I mean, this leaves everything wide open. I mentioned all those other things. There's, uh, there's, you could build, you could build tools. You could could print a ladder and use it if you need it. Let's say you need a 20-foot extension ladder. You could print that and and use it. While we're wishing for more wishes, why don't we just get a machine that prints other printing machines? (laughs) It's not a bad... (laughs) Maybe they're already doing that, then. Yeah, maybe they are. But we are going to go ahead and... Uh, mosey on out of here for today everybody we hope that you have enjoyed our podcast on the Irby 1 the Irby 2 and uh, what may be another historic road trip let us know what you think
think you can find us on carstuffshow.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can always send us an email directly. We are carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.